Ken Jennings and John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. Greetings, citizens of the future. We are broadcasting to you through the mists of time, from our own era in your distant past, a time we call the 21st century. My name is Ken Jennings, and I'm... I don't think I can do the voice, John. Is that okay? Go ahead. Whatever. Uh, my name is Ken Jennings. Mm -hmm. I am a famous writer in mm -hmm. our time. Yeah, some, would, some would say, not me, but some would say the most famous writer. <laughs> you're too modest to say that you're the most famous writer, but I'm, I concur. People say that. Sure. They're not going to know the difference in the future. I am also the very famous winner of an ancient quiz contest, which you in the future have never heard of. It's huge here and it's called Jeopardy. I wouldn't say that they haven't heard of it. I, uh, Jeopardy may survive. It may be the only thing of our civilization that does survive. Wheel and Jeopardy it's, still exist. It's extremely popular with old people. I won on Jeopardy when they were those people were slightly less old, mm -hmm. uh, but I won multiple times. Very hard to do. Uh, trust me, an impressive, impressive achievement. It really, truly was impressive. You were in the newspapers uh, every day there toward the end. I was in a Reader's Digest once, <laughs> Highlights for Children magazine. <laughs> Uh, my name is John Roderick, uh, and I'm also very famous in the past. I'm a musician, and I had a singing group called The Long Winters, which was considered one of the best singing groups. Many called it the best singing group. No, nah, I would say, I mean, there are a lot of singing groups, but we were among the top tier of singing groups. You've got groups. that row of awards that say best singing group at the bottom? Mm -hmm. Well in, done. In fact, I was... Um, I was a very famous person in, in our era uh, just for being famous. I was one of those uh, celebs. We were called celebs. Because you're so multi-talented. You're, you're a yeah. jack of all trades. You've uh, excelled in so many fields. Mm -hmm. There was a while there where I dated Jennifer Lopez and we were known as John Ennifer. j Rowe. <laughs> uh, also, I ran for the Seattle City Council once, which was uh, which was a big deal. It was actually, yeah, it was a huge deal. Oh, it's huge. Mm -hmm. uh, together, John and I are making these recordings for you, citizens of the future, because we want you to know something of our lost civilization. We, I say lost because we assume at this point it has been lost in some great cataclysm. We presume this, uh, this great cataclysm because we live in very uncertain times. We do. It's, it's dire. In fact... The cataclysm could come at any moment. Uh, so uh, each recording we make for you, future ones, may be our last. It's an act of faith. We, we can't be sure of who or what uh, you even are, citizens of the future. You may not be citizens at all. You may have no concept of citizenship. 
Which is true of many in our, in our own time as well. <laughs> uh, you, uh, I could be speaking to a sentient gas right now, for example, or you could be some kind of collective intelligence, like a hive mind, like a beehive, millions of you all distributed. Mm. Uh, maybe you're, you are humanoid, but mm -hmm. you have like the big dark eyes and the creepy long fingers. Mm, and pale white skin. That's right. And you're always the giant head. You're always crawling around kidnapping hard to believe people in rural areas and subjecting them to, mm -hmm. to sleazy probes of all kinds. <laughs> totally understandable. Uh, frankly, in our 21st century, we imagine that you'll be cockroaches. We just assume it. And if it's true, congratulations. We were rooting for you the whole time. You probably don't call yourselves cockroaches in that case. I mean, that is a very mammal-centric name. Well, sure. But if you have six legs and an abdomen that has 10 segments... Um, let's just agree that you're a cockroach. I still think it's a little offensive. Well, the, you know, let's, I, we have to have a name for something. The point is, we come to you from the past in peace. Uh, despite the great unrest that faces our civilization in our current time, uh, we humanoids have accomplished many things of which we are justly proud. We want to share them with you. Some remnants of our history will surely survive, like the pyramids, uh, the interstate highways, the salt mines in Utah, which we've filled with radioactive waste. I assume they've heard of the Beatles. Sure. And the wild stallions, of course. <laughs> right. But tragically, other things, much, probably almost all of our history will be lost if we don't do something. Like sand through the hourglass. Like tears in rain. So our plan is to twice a week examine another component of our uh, patrimony. And our matrimony. <laughs> that, that we fear may be lost in the end times. Uh, we're going to describe our species' finest achievements and the mundane beauty of our smallest triumphs. You will learn about how the Bohemians in history kept throwing people out of windows and about a man who could see in four dimensions. The pig war uh, between the United States and Britain. The disastrous Olympic marathon of 1904. The Rachel. The Rachel? The, the, wait, the haircut? The Rachel. The haircut from the 90s? That's right. So that's going to go into our time capsule of essential human knowledge? Absolutely it is. Okay, you'll learn about how starlings ruined North America. How did starlings ruin North America, Ken? Well, I don't want to give the whole thing away. Mm, right. But, but uh, it's, it's a great story. Uh, there's a, in the, 18, the 1890s, there's a New York, eccentric New York pharmaceutical tycoon named Eugene Shifflin. Right. Who is part of this sort of odd vanity group of rich people with too much time on their hands called the American Acclimatization Society. I mean, this sounds like uh, like something that could exist today, except they would have a much less entertaining name. What did the American Acclimatization Society do? I actually want to I want to resurrect this and become a member. You want to start acclimatizing charter, things? Char charter member. Like we can acclimatize all kinds of countries. Let's call it the American De-Acclimatizing uh, association. We do need some deacclimatizing yeah, because Shifflin's idea was that uh, America was struggling because it did not have all the species found in Europe, the cradle of civilization. I see. And he thought, well, you know, we've got skunks and wolverines, but where, you know, where are the old world, uh, you know, songbirds at? You know, where are the skylark? Where are my skylarks at? <laughs> I really would take skunks and wolverines over any skylark. I would too, but Shifflin did not agree because this was a time when. Europe was held to be the highest standard oh, in sure. everything. You sure, know? sure, sure. And his pet project, which seems bizarre in hindsight, is he thought America needed to have at least one of every bird mentioned in Shakespeare. Hmm. So Shakespeare surely has survived into the future. I wonder if the concept of Europe having a superior culture 
survived into the future. Well, in our time, unfortunately, it's really coming back. <laughs> so part of part of the uh, problem uh, in our time is that it was presumed 200 years ago that Europe had a superior culture and that uh, it should go forth and multiply and uh, assert itself over all other cultures. And this is, I guess, a later example of that. Yeah, uh, you know, and I'm sure Schifflin thought of himself as some enlightened guy who right. never would have seen himself as part of the imperialist problem. And yet he's thinking, Oh, all these birds are better than our birds just because they're European, you know. Because they're in Shakespeare. <laughs> like if Shakespeare never wrote about, you know, uh, the passenger pigeon, it's no good. Kill it all. Well, he certainly didn't ever include a wolverine in his plays. The works of Shakespeare are sadly opossum-free. He doesn't talk about corn, does he? Does Shakespeare ever mention corn? Or is corn a universal word for grain at the time? Yeah, I think in the Bi in the King James Bible and in Shakespeare, corn would mean any grain, which is why when the first... Europeans came here, they said maize for corn. Oh, I see. Um, oh, it wasn't maize the Indian word for corn? It, it does indeed come from Caribbean words. Maize. Uh, yeah, mahisi. But yeah, so they used their own name because corn to them just meant grain. Uh-huh. But the problem in this case is that in Henry the Fourth, Part One, Shakespeare once mentions starlings. One time in all of his plays and yeah. sonnets. And if, if if he had subbed in uh, thrush there, we'd be good. <laughs> but starling, thrush had only one syllable. So uh, Shifflin saw it as his duty to bring starlings to America so we could have the full bounty of Shakespeare's uh, menagerie. Thank goodness. So on a snowy day, he drives down to Central Park in his carriage from his country house yeah. with 60 uh, starlings in cages. Imported starlings. That he has brought over from Europe, the European starling, and he lets them fly. And what happened? Well, the tragic result of Shifflin's little folly here will actually be the subject of our very first entry in the omnibus. These are the kind of stories we're going to tell. Our goal is to, in toto, create a resource for you in the future, a time capsule, a Rosetta Stone. An encyclopedia of the past. Perhaps you can use it to reconstruct the best of what we made, or maybe these will only be curiosities to you, or worse. We might be as uninteresting to you as the recorded squeaks of cockroaches from 10,000 years ago would be to us, I guess. Uh, no offense. But we hope by preserving these histories, we can show you that no matter how we come to meet our destruction, no matter how much we made the earth uninhabitable for millennia and brought ruin down upon life as we know it, folks, we meant well. So, on our behalf, sit back on your abdomens and enjoy our whimsical, conversational recounting of the history of our time. All this lore is our gift to you. This is The Omnibus.